following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. professional church and I mean that with all my heart that the gospel is meant to be a little messy and um, there has been a shift here and the presence that you are experiencing I want to encourage you don't 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 become casual with this presence because it's it's not everywhere it's something unique that he's doing here and it's meant to have an impact on the world and so we can't keep it to ourselves but while you're here let the holy spirit brood over you because that's what he's doing, is he's, he's capturing hearts and he's loving on us. And, um, you know, we do a lot of preaching in Africa and then we run to America and it's, it's just like the polar opposite. So if you could help me out a little bit and be a little loud. <laughs> and like, um, the altars are open at any time, if you feel Holy Spirit stirring in your heart, don't resist him. Just come and, and make a mess. I, I, I love messes. I loved the children up here. I felt at home. You know, Jesus said, let the children come to me. And, and that's what you're doing. And so um, I also want to thank you with all of my heart for your love, your, your honor, your support, allowing Brad and I to share in your midst. Um, I told Dave and Susie yesterday, I'm a little intimidated because you're so people of the word, and um, I want you to know it's a great honor for me to be given this opportunity. Um, and thank you, honey, for the sweet, sweet word. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. I'm not good with time either. We go a long time in Africa. (laughs) And uh, Brad and I have been on the road for a while. We've been preaching and sharing in a lot of places. And uh, I want to encourage you that that QR code, I don't know how you do that, but I think you hold your phone up. All you young people know what you do. Otherwise, you can go to gatherone.org. And hear our hearts. Um, We need means and we need men. And we have uh, locations in Ethiopia and in Greece. And we're seeing uh, people leave Islam. We're baptizing people who have been followers of the Quran. And uh, we're raising up children and, like Brad said, making disciples. And we've got a center in Pakistan and we're opening up another one in South Sudan. And, and Brad and I are just two little people with a family. Our, our Gather One Global family is about 11 people strong. <laughs> and we like it that way because it's family. 
but we want to extend an invitation if you feel led to come help us and participate. We have prayer teams that you can be active on. We have real-time prayers that go out because we're, we're in the places that a lot of people don't like to go. And uh, I think, if I may say this without, I don't want this to sound critical, but I do believe that a lot of what we're seeing in the earth and the uprising of the kingdom of darkness is usually coming out of places where the church has failed to go. And that's, that's not just abroad. I'm talking about college campuses, schools, Walmart, <laughs> you know, like there's work to do. So um, as my husband shared, um, we've been pioneering in the nations for about the last 12 years. And uh, in that 12 years, we've had a lot of opportunity to learn about Jesus and to learn about Jesus in different cultures and to learn a lot about our own culture here in the U.S. For example, when Brad went to uh, South Sudan in 2011 on a discovery trip, he, um, his plane landed. He was in Malakal, South Sudan. It was the world's newest nation. And so there was very little infrastructure, and they had had 50 years of war, and half of their population was under the age of 14. So we were youth pastors, and that's every youth pastor's dream, is like <laughs> all these kids everywhere. And so Brad went on a discovery trip, and as his plane landed on the runway, and he deboarded the plane, there was a group of men there sacrificing a cow. Like right there on the runway. Imagine if you go to the Minneapolis airport. <laughs> and it was a shock. Like we, we had grown up in the Midwest all our lives. And uh, we just said yes to God. And in comparison, the first time we came back from South, South Sudan, when we landed on American soil, I really wanted to get out and kiss the ground because we had been in a third world nation and I saw what God had given us and what he's given us to steward. And I want to encourage you, like, this is a great nation. It really is a great nation. And he's given it to us to steward for his glory. And so one of the comments that we often hear is, oh, you live this exciting life and I have people say, I wish I could travel all over the world. And um, we really do enjoy it. Like, it, there is a benefit to that. On the other hand, one of the forgotten and rarely understood sufferings of a missionary is that they're constantly on the move. As a laborer in the Lord's field, since we were here last, I think it's been maybe 15 months to a year and a half, We've been in Ethiopia three times. We've been in South Sudan and Sudan. We've been in Greece and back to the US. We dropped our bags, jumped in the car, and we've been on the road since August 27th. <laughs> our paths are regularly redirected. Our lives are endlessly uprooted. 
we start out for one city only to end up in another, and we feel led to one country only to be given a different assignment by the Lord. We learn one language only to meet a different dialect, and we find the perfect apartment or compound only to have that lease terminated. <laughs> we finally settle into effective ministry only to contract malaria. However, uh, we plan our ways to have God redirect us, and the constant change of plans and itineraries isn't necessarily the sign of missionary failure. I'm not making excuses for lack of research or preparedness. However, what we fail to realize in the West is that everyday life in much of the world is still very unpredictable and in the hands of a living God. <laughs> Anything from tribal fighting to riots to checkpoints to typhoid can often overturn a month's uh, worth of planning and preparation. Um, and furthermore, when someone is like Paul, led by the Spirit and led by the Spirit in encountering opposition, their travels will almost always look like wilderness wanderings. <laughs> and so there's my disclaimer. If you want to come travel around us, uh, come travel with us around the world, um, it, it always will never look like what you think it's going to look like. Um, we're so used to having the optimized route by our GPS and a lot of times we travel where the road runs out and then you unpack and put everything on your back and you just start walking. And we've had the opportunity to share the gospel in the bushlands, in the places that people don't want to go with people that um, desperately need to hear the gospel. Um, I think in Hebrews 11, they talk about of those to whom, to those of whom the world is not worthy, and they wandered about the earth in sheepskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. So, are you ready to come with us? <laughs> in the last twelve years, we've seen the best and worst of humanity, and we are convinced and not ashamed to say that Jesus is the answer that the earth is groaning for. And he must be made known. We are in unusual times. I agree with that, honey. And now is the time that we really rise up and show the earth what they're missing. Um, I can tell you that when Jesus instructs us to pick up our cross and follow him, he's actually asking us and inviting us into the opportunity Submit our lives into his hand and let him write your story. For some people, it's to remain here. For some of us, it's being sent out. I can tell you stories of being overtaken by malaria and yet seeing God heal the sick, blind eyes open. You know, our world is very contrasting when we're out of the comforts of our home. And I can tell you stories of being surrounded by armed soldiers and being mir miraculously delivered. 
I can tell you stories of running out of food or running out of money and God miraculously providing. We lived on the mission field with our two teenage daughters, and we had $200 pledge support. And we brought in orphan children on $200 a month. <laughs> I can tell you stories of baptizing 36 South Sudanese in the Nile River, only to have war break out and unthinkable persecution and death to our community. You see the success, and then you see the challenge, and you see the success. And what is God calling us to do? I know your lives mirror that. But he's calling us to be steadfast. He's calling us to stand in that fire and to not run away because the victory is coming. We are guaranteed the victory. And that's why I share these things with you. We want to make sure it's, it's, uh, that we are able to give God the praise in the midst of the fire and not just in the glory. And that's why it's so important that this presence that's brooding over us is, is changing our lives and touching us in a way that we can take it out there and have an impact in the world. We have learned on the mission field that opposition is only a stim stimulus for greater victory. And I want you to hear these words because so many times we have so many people that want to quit. They get angry and offended at God when he's the answer. And we're not in a time in our lives where we can afford offense in our hearts. Difficulties actually have their advantages. They are not to unnerve us. They are not to cause inaction, but rather to intensify activity. Opposition and challenges are made to overcome. And as one missionary said, the opposition we encounter and the difficulties we face are meant to create profound distrust in our human plans and energy, and to drive us into God. What are you facing today that seems insurmountable? Because you're going to find him here. <laughs> you're going to find him on your, on your knees. You're going to find him sitting in your car. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And it is my hope that as we read scripture together, that those currently experiencing fiery trials and those who will experience fiery trials will ultimately go through with great confidence and praise, knowing that our faith will be worth more than gold and a weapon in the face of the enemies of God. We've had one of our team members face-to-face -face with the Taliban and when they say, we're going to kill you, he says, you can't. And it's time that we get our boldness on. It's time that we get our courage on. You know, you guys are scaring me out there. You're way too quiet. Let's read. <laughs> Woo! I'm about ready to shout. I'm on fire up here in worship. Where's the worship team? That was amazing. Um, just spirit-led. Um, I want to read 1 Peter 1, chapter 1. I've been sitting in that chapter for a couple months. And um, it was actually written for those in the fire. 
if you see the way that the letter uh, breaks out, it digs into the tension between the hard realities of the here and now and what we're promised in heaven and how to walk in that tension and be in that tension as heavenly beings because we're foreigners in this earth. Uh, can somebody, I don't have my, can you read that or bring it to me? I meant to bring my phone up here. First Peter is one of my favorite books. Thank you. I'm watching the time. Got it, honey. I got it. Uh, this is to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and, and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Those are real words, as the, the prophet said earlier. Those are words that are meant to change your atmosphere and everyone around you. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ! Exclamation point. That should make you happy. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's for you. He's already taken care of it. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in these last days. We're here. We're here. We're, we're there in the last days and it's being revealed. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. There's a reason to what you're going through besides bad decisions or other people or everywhere where we want to point the finger. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, will result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Come on. You can wear that. If you think about where that letter was going when it was first sent, these are exiles. They were outcasts. They, didn't, they weren't living in their home. They were people of the dispersion, meaning the persecution and the fire was so hot they had to leave home. They had to leave their schools. Have you ever had to leave home and decide in about five minutes' time what you're going to take? We've been in a war before. We've been surrounded by enemy soldiers. We had five minutes to put in a backpack what we were going to need indefinitely. And these were the kind of people that this letter was written to. One commentary calls them sojourners of the dispersion. And this was because of the persecution and intense fire that was in the early church. Um, the letter goes on to say that they were not only exiles, but Peter calls them the chosen. Do you get that? 
what looks like God's failure because they had to leave their home, they had to leave their blessings and everything that they hold on to, everything they consider dear. They're exiled, and Jesus calls them the chosen. Scattered but chosen. That would be a message, Renee. (laughs) According to the foreknowledge of God. So he knew it all the time. He knew it was coming. Chosen to be obedient, elected to stand in the fire under the blood covering of Christ. That's who this letter is directed to. That's who this word is written for. It's to those of us that stand in the fiery furnace, the furnace of affliction, under the blood covering of Christ. And we persevere to the end. I want to tell you a brief story about a friend of ours, and I won't mention his name. But he was a young man that came out of a persecuted country because he had made a mistake. The government came and arrested him because of a Facebook post and tortured him for months. He was speaking against another religion that was dominating their culture. And his mom and dad had to sell their, phone, their home to bail him out of jail. They got him to the border of one nation so he could be free, and then he had to walk to another nation. And while he was there, he found out that there was a letter of execution for his life in his home country. He'll never go back. He'll never see his family again. And he's 30 years old. He found Christ on foreign soil. And he's sitting in our living room talking to us. And he says to us, He said, you know, all these trials and everything I went through, I would not change one thing. He said, because I found Jesus, and I found God's family. And to him, that fire of leaving everything behind, being tormented, and never seeing his family again was worth it. This is a young man who found that his simple life was purified and holy in the midst of the flame. Now, you can think about Peter, who was living with Christ for more than three years. Apostle Peter was the best possible example of what it looked like to live in holiness amid a hostile world. And Jesus had modeled that for him. So Peter writes a letter saying, because of his great mercy, he's given us a new birth, meaning we need to see things a new way. If you have a new birth, you have new eyes. You've got to see everything different because you don't belong to this world anymore. We have a hope, a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and born into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it's kept in heaven for us. Peter was pointing to our reality. This is all temporal. He was pointing to reality, and this is eternal thinking, that what we have been given is imperishable and pure, and it's the newness of life. And I want to tell you something. On the night of my salvation, I was 40 years, and I had lived all of those years in sin. I had taken a drink at the age of 17, and I lost 20-some years. 
and I was hopelessly addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I wasn't looking for Jesus. And on the night of my conversion, on the night that I became born again, after the fire of God went up and down my body for several hours on my living room floor, I felt the purity of the kingdom of God. I felt brand new. I felt that there was nothing defiling my body anymore. Sin had left because the blood of Jesus cleansed me. And that's what we're living in. Verse 5 says that we're being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that's ready to be revealed. It's ready to be revealed, and what is stopping it? (laughs) It's ready to be revealed in each and every one of our lives, and we should rejoice in this for even now for a short time. If we suffer grief in various trials, the proven character of our faith, which is more valuable than gold, is refined. And it will bring praise and glory. That's how we exalt him. We sing that song. I exalt you. I exalt you. I want to give you everything. Those songs we sang today was a declaration of your heart. You're not just mouthing words. It's creating and drawing and building. And beloved, we are being guarded and kept by God's power. It's in his word. And it's not, it's not by some power that we have in ourselves. You understand that. It's by the power of the God that created the universe. It's by the power of the one that, that raised Jesus from the dead. This is an unusual power, and we should rejoice in that. It brings the dead back to life. Eternal power is keeping you. Isaiah wrote, Who among us can dwell among a consuming fire? And who among us can dwell with ever-burning flames? The one who lives righteously and speaks righteously. One who refuses gain from extortion. Whose hand never takes a bribe. Who stops his ears from listening to murderous plots and shuts his eyes to avoid evil. He will dwell on the heights and his refuge will be in rocky fortresses. His food will be provided, his water assured, and his eyes will behold the king in his beauty. Do you understand what we're living for? (laughs) There is no greater experience than seeing Jesus face to face. And yet, if, if we understood that our silence prevents the world from experiencing this. Reaching the lost has no hindrances other than silence. And I want us to think about that. Because when we walk in the conviction that Christ is more valuable than life and worth beyond the discomfort or the momentary sting of death, we've come to embrace the Great Commission. And in that commission, it's a mandate. It's not a suggestion. It's a mandate. Make disciples. But guess what he promises? I will be with you. You want to meet Jesus? (laughs) 
I don't know how much longer I can stand up here. So I have a question for you. What is the cost of a soul? As you're standing in the fire, you've got to understand that you're not doing this just for you. The world is waiting for a faith that comes out like gold. <laughs> and what is the cost of a soul? What was the cost of your soul? Because I guarantee you somebody laid down their life on earth and in heaven. And that's why you're here. So do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. Then the doing of your work will be no miracle, but you shall be the walking miracle. Can you hear the cry of Peter's heart as he admonishes the church to be hospitable with each other? without complaining and to maintain constant love. That takes work. And can you hear the cry of Apostle Paul's heart in Romans chapter 9 when he says, I'm not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers. My own flesh and blood. I'm asking today that it will be totally and completely unacceptable to Living Waters Church that there be any places where people have little to no access to the witness of Christ in their midst. I'm giving you a challenge. It is estimated that of the 7.8 billion people alive in the world today, 3.7 billion don't know Christ. They are unreached, unengaged. That's half of our population and that needs to be unacceptable to us. Can this current world take seriously a faith that's in hiding? And why are people compelled to leave the warmth and comfort of home and the love of the family circle to go after the lost sheep whose cry we've heard in the depths of our spirit? Yet such is the glory of the task that neither home ties nor home needs can hold back those who have caught the vision and the spirit of the great shepherd because the lost ones are his sheep and he has made us shepherds. So we must run to the sound of need and recover what rightfully belongs to Jesus and that's lost souls. So I'm asking you today, whatever fire that you're standing in, that you don't resist him, that you receive it with all honor and glory and praise, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't afraid of the power of that king because their king was far above. We've got to let loose of the fear we got to ask God for boldness in the midst of fire. Like in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, you remember in chapter 4, they're all meeting for prayer. They'd just come out of prison. 
you know, in our prisons, everybody has a TV and an iPad. You should go to prison in Ethiopia or South Sudan. They don't even bring you food. If you die, you die. You don't have a toilet. And yet Paul and Silas or whoever came out, no, it wouldn't have been Paul, it would have been Peter in the book of Acts, walked into a prayer meeting that was going on, and they began to cry out, look upon their threats and give us boldness. Look upon their threats and give us boldness. This is the beautiful bride, and this is the time. I'm going to ask that if, if it's possible, is it possible? Maybe it's not possible. <laughs> Can we? <laughs> um, I just, you, you come on up. <laughs> I'll trade your spots. No, you, you stay here. Um, we're just going to take a few more minutes to respond. If you have something and you need to go, you feel free and you feel blessed to go. Um, and our, our Sunday school teachers know that we're going to try to wrap up here in, in a few minutes, so they knew we were going to go over, but um, we just want to give space for this, but we always still want to give freedom. If you have something you need to go for, you feel free. Okay. Do you want the team? Uh, it'd be great if we had a, a team or somebody that wanted to come up and play, because, I, you know, I... The, the older gentleman that came and spoke and said, these, these aren't just idle words. Don't, don't, I, I don't want to be that, meh, 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 and everybody goes home and everything's the same. I'm telling you, this is a word from the Holy Spirit. I've sat before him. I've lingered before him going, what do you want to say to living waters? Because I don't take lightly what the Spirit is saying. And I'm asking you to open up your hearts wide and let the Holy Spirit just move on you. That if you're going through a, tri a, a trial, if you're going through the fire, you're not alone. That there's people here that can pray for you. They have ministry teams that will help pray for you and lift you through this fire. You know, we've been it caught in a war before, and there's no way that I could hear the voice of God. My husband and I would turn to each other and say, can you hear what he's saying? What direction are we going? And there had to be this inner voice that was going on that was leading us through combat zones. And we're in a war, guys. We're in a heavenly war that is affecting our children, our grandchildren. The landscape of our freedoms is changing quickly. But there is one ultimate freedom, and that is freedom in Christ, the blood of Jesus setting us free. I want you. That was my cry this morning. I understand how desperately I need God. But even way before my need for him, I love him so much. Because there is no one that we will ever face on this earth that's like him. There's no one that loves us the way that he loves us. There's no one that can take away our sins. I'm just asking you to pour out, just take two minutes. Let him touch you. Just let him touch you.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.